Well, uh, thanks so much for being here this morning. If uh, we have met on Chuck, and it's our 10th anniversary, so uh, praise the Lord for 10 years of his faithfulness. Um, as the Beatles would say, it's been a long and winding road, but here we are. So thank you for your part in it. I, I just want to mention one person because she traveled so far all the way from Texas. Tiffany Dixon is here. There she is. So she was on staff, so we know everything will be organized nicely this morning. So, yep. So um, personally, I just want to say thank you. I know for some of us, our, our journey together as a, a body of Christ goes uh, much further, going all the way back to Pocahontas. And I think many of us have been together since the mid-90s. So um, what an honor and it is to be able to be a part of this fellowship. And I don't have much family. Um, it's just a long story. But you all are my family. And I'm just so appreciative that I've had such rich and deep relationships for not only 10 years, but for 30 years. So God bless you. And there's cake. And we have a video afterward before we, we finish up, a little recap video that uh, we'll show. And then we're all going to smush cake in each other's face after service. <laughs> All right, so, all right, well, let's look at uh, John chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 31 through 59 today. The takeaway this morning is God's promise of freedom is found only in abiding in Jesus. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We will come across a group who believe. The end of the sermon last week, we saw this, and it'll be reiterated again this morning a group who believe, but unfortunately, the idea of obeying doesn't come along with the believing. And thus, Jesus says at the end, really, you didn't believe at all. And we'll take a look at this. They had another allegiance, another agenda, and it will become quite contentious with Jesus. They are willing to stand their ground on their allegiances that, that strongly that Jesus will just say, then you don't even know who I am. And so I guess that begs the question for us this morning, you know, where are our allegiances? Is our allegiance entirely in Jesus this morning? Or do we have other factors in our life that really run the show or run a part of the show? It's a good question to ask. The other question is, am I actually continuing? Am I developing a relationship with Jesus? Is, is, it, is, my, is it my first priority? Am I continuing in his character and his nature in relationship with him? Because the beauty is, you know the truth, and the truth sets you in bondage. Now, just checking. Okay. Yeah. The, the truth makes you a legalist and, a, and a, a, a lemon. No, the truth sets you free. And where there's freedom, there's fullness of joy. And so let's take a look here. As Jesus will speak this, then we'll, we'll start unpacking what these, re these responses and these other allegiances are. Let's look at verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, let's take a look at a couple of the words here. Firstly, I already mentioned the idea of belief. We're, we're going to see that unravel, unfortunately, as the text goes on. But here he says, if. It's a conditional promise. He is offering an invitation to those who have recognized in John chapter 2, for example, he turned water into wine at the, the wedding in Cana. In John chapter 4, he healed the nobleman's son. In John chapter 5, he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been infirm for 38 years. And then in John chapter 6, we see that uh, the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And all this is getting around along with his profound teaching. All this is, is resonating in the community 
And so here Jesus says, okay, you, you see this and, and you're on board. Now let's go. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And so he's asking them to obey him. And the conditional promise is, is such that imagine um, I have on my phone, I have a Venmo account. Here it is. You know, obviously, you can't see it, but if you're familiar with the app, I have a Venmo account. Greatest thing since sliced bread, if you ask me. I love digital banking. It's, it's just so convenient. Well, let's just say that on my Venmo account, I have the option to pay you. And we, I think if you have the app, you know. So what I do is I type in a million dollars into my pay whomever, Nicole Goodman. Well, I don't want to use your name, Nicole. <laughs> because it's a bad thing. So you're such a sweet person, let's just forget that. Um, so uh, let's say John Doe. I, I type out a million dollars to John Doe. I do it all, I, got, I, got, I have John's routing number, I have John's account number. It is all set, and with Menmo, all you have to do is push a button once the information's in. And so I walk up to John Doe and I say, yo, John, million bucks, all you have to do is push the button. That's it, it's all yours. If you push the button, <laughs> you will experience joy and freedom. And John says, well, you know, that's an iPhone, right? And I say, yeah. He goes, uh, I'm Android guy, no can do. Or he says, well, son of COVID is coming and I don't think I wanna put my finger on your screen and so I'll pass. Yeah, if you're keeping up with the news, we're already being primed for the son of COVID. So, or, so do you get the point? The point is, here's a million bucks, just push the button. And yet there are excuses because potentially there are allegiances. And Jesus just offers this open invitation. If you continue in my word, he's, it's not, he's not compelling them. He's not oppressing them. He's not strong arming them. He's just saying, here it is. Obey me, follow me, partake in my nature. And I will allow you the freedom that comes in knowing God. And so firstly, it's, it's conditional. It's an invitation. And then he says, if you continue, if you continue, or maybe your, your Bible says abide. Actually, my Bible does say abide. But it basically means to continue, to stay in one place for an extended period of time, to stay in one place for an extended period of time. I've been in San Diego about 30 years. And after living here for 30 years, I know how to get around. I, sometimes I make mistakes, but I know the road system here. I know the ins and outs. I know a lot of the, the, the uh, shortcuts, much probably like you do too. But the only reason is because I've been in this community and I've driven in this community and I've lived in this community. I've abided in this community for such a long time that it's, it's almost reflexive. And so here is the same idea of abiding, abiding, staying in him, rooted in him. And so if, if you continue in what? If you continue in my word. The Greek word here is logos. And it really does mean that the sum total of who Jesus is. Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among us. So this idea of logos is the very nature and character of God. And so what Jesus is doing is inviting his listeners, inviting us to engage, to abide in his very character and his nature. Take, we take his yoke upon us because he is meek and lowly in heart and we find rest for our souls. And so if you continue, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Disciples, imitators. We're just following the steps and the actions, the words, the, the decisions of Christ as we walk with him as our Lord and our Savior day by day. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then here's the payoff. 
You'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, the word know here, uh, it's not brain surgery. It's just experiential knowledge. Um, I think about my little dog, Edna. She's been with us for five years, and I don't know how that dog tells time, but she knows. Usually, I'll feed her about 10 minutes to 5, and at, at uh, 4.30, she knows. She starts tapping her little paws at, at uh, 4.30 because she knows that dinner is coming. And how she does it, the only thing I can trick her is when we go to daylight savings. That's the only time I can get over on her. But she knows because of the routine. She's in this routine. It's almost like the idea of abiding. You're, you're in this, this long, long walk with God. Uh, Eugene Peterson calls it a, a long obedience in the same direction. I like that. And so here Jesus is saying, walk with me, abide in my word, continue with me, because then you're going to know. You're going to know who I am. You're going to take on my likeness and my nature. And then because of that, you will be free. Because he says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm, what a great promise. That's, that is one of the wonderful foundational promises of God. These are great memory verses to fall back on when you're not sure or there are uh, competing allegiances in your life, to fall back on the fact that God wants to set us free if we'll just accept his invitation and, and walk in obedience with him. Now, would to God that these people who said they believed actually pushed my iPhone and, and got the million dollars and lived happily ever after. Sadly, not the case. Let's take a look. There's going to be two objections here, two allegiances from this crowd. One is about their heritage. They're going to say they're from Abraham. And when that one doesn't really work out, they're going to switch tracks and say that God is their father. So first, it's going to be Abraham is our father. Secondly, it's going to be God is our father. And as they push their chips into the middle of the table, Jesus is going to respond in kind. So let's look at verses 33 through 40. So they answered him and they said, wait a minute, we're descendants, we're Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? All right, well, let's take a look at this for a second. Abraham's descendants. Okay, Genesis 12, 2, going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, God said that he would make a great nation out of Abraham. And you follow Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes. Obviously, what they're saying is true. They have a, a, a heritage in uh, Abraham's lineage. But then what they say is not necessarily true. It's, it's kind of braggadocious because it says, hey, we've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, that's not true. Why is it not true? Well, physically, as, as, we're, as we're looking at this, whose boot are they under? What, what, uh, what political authority is ruling, ruling Israel right now? Rome. So they're under the boot of Rome, and they've been under, let's call it the sandal. They're under the sandal of Rome. They've been under the oppression of Egypt and Assyria and the Media Persian Empire and Babylon and now Rome. And so physically this and historically, they're wrong. And then secondly, Jesus is going to talk about, about sin here, and they are under bondage of sin. Now, we know the New Testament is very clear on that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But even in the Old Testament, there are references to the fact that no one is without sin. 1 Kings, 4, 1 Kings 8, 46 says, there is no one who hasn't sinned. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 20 and 21, same thing. There's not a righteous man on earth who hasn't sinned. In fact, Paul uses those verses out of Ecclesiastes 3 
or seven rather, and in Romans three, he begins to take all these New Testament references to show his readers in the book of Romans that we are all under sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so somewhere they're missing out here. They're thinking because they are the descendants of Abraham automatically, then God is happy with them. It doesn't matter whether I obey. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter whether I, I pursue holiness. It doesn't, I can do whatever I want because after all, I'm one of Abe's kids, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of Abraham. It's kind of like, I think, I thought about it this week, and I know for myself, I went through this process, that, and I needed to grow through it, and thankfully, um, the Lord was gracious with me, but when I first started to re- read the Bible, I'd just come out of, I was in the radio business, the rock radio business for seven years in my 20s, and um, with, that, with the lifestyle that came with that was just pretty, pretty hedonistic, but as I really drilled down into that lifestyle. I just didn't find any satisfaction. And then I started to turn to the Bible. I hitchhiked in Europe for six months in 83, and someone told me to read the New Testament. So when I got home, I started to read the New Testament, and it really started to come alive to me. The Lord was really speaking to me. And so I was going to show God I loved him. So I, I was living in Colorado Springs at the time. I rode my bicycle about 10 miles to Manitou Springs, and I went into a, a jewelry shop that, or a, a tourist shop and I got a uh, turquoise cross, and I put the turquoise cross around my neck, a nice silver chain, and I realized I had arrived. <laughs> I was on Team Jesus, I was, and I was so proud of that. Now, it didn't matter that I was still getting high and chasing girls and doing all kinds of stuff like that, but it was a process where the Lord started to call me on those things, to shed the light on those behaviors and say, Hey, if you, can, if you abide in me, then you're, you're my disciple. But if these allegiances are more important to you, then you know what? I hate to say it, but deals off. You're going to choose your own God. And I won't, I'm not going to share myself with you. It's either me or, or nothing else. Because um, if you share me with somebody else, you're, only, you're not going to get the benefits of, of being totally obedient to me. And so I'm thankful that I, I learned, I grew through that. Here you're going to see, unfortunately, this group of people just, they are going to continue to dig their heels in. So let's keep going. Verse 34, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So now he uses this idea of of a slave, this metaphor. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So slave and son. And you think about in those days, slaves had no rights. Slaves were disposable, but a son was an heir to the home and had all the rank and privileges that came with being part of that family. And so Jesus is using a clear, clear contrast here in terms, and he's going to continue with these family terms as we go forward. So this idea, whoever is a slave, whoever is a, let me read it again, uh, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Paul picks this idea of, of being a slave to sin up in Romans chapter 6. In verse 17, he says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, that you obeyed. There's our key word. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to obey. Push the button on Chuck's phone, get the million dollars. Yet you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And that form of doctrine, Christ crucified, Christ buried, Christ risen from the dead. And if we believe in that, then that's what it means to to be a disciple of God, to, to believe and then to, then to obey and follow through with that. And so here Jesus is saying, you know what, you're, you're not even in the family. You think you're, 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 you are a descendant of Abraham physically, 
But spiritually, you're, you're not in the family. You're a slave of sin, and we have to talk about that. So he says, again, to reiterate verse 35, a slave doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, and then he talks about this family relationship with, with a son. If the son, Jesus, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so he comes back to chapter 8, verse 31. If you, if you abide in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But then he says in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's descendants. And so once again, the idea of heritage, not necessarily um, the, a son, but just this idea that, yes, you have Abraham's DNA running through your, your veins, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Yeah, you're Abraham's descendants, but the, the, the one who preexisted before Abraham is standing right in front of you, and you refuse to accept what Abraham believed. Verse 38, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And he'll pick up this idea of whose, whose father is who in the verses to come. Well, how do they respond in verse 39? They answered and said to them, well, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, now here's to me a key word, not a descendant, not just someone with the DNA, but if you were Abraham's children, meaning you did what Abraham did relative to his relationship with God. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Hold your finger here and let me give you an example of what Abraham did, how Abraham obeyed. Genesis uh, 25.8 says, Abraham's faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. God revealed himself to him and Abraham believed. But Abraham did so much more than that. Abraham obeyed as well. Abraham obeyed when it seemed like the deck was completely stacked against him. Abraham obeyed when it, when it seemed like the enemy was in full force and was ready to overtake him. Abraham believed in God's promises. Hebrews 11 is an example. The, the writer offers us a couple of, of, of uh, stories. In verse 8, he says, by faith, Abraham did what? What does your Bible say? Obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Here's the story. He's one place one day. God speaks to him and says, Luke, get, get, get going. Pull stakes up, leave everything behind, and, and move to some place that you, need, you don't even know where we're going. You have no idea. You're going to have to trust me. And yet Abraham obeyed. Imagine yourself. Uh, think about allegiances. Imagine yourself. If today someone said to you, leave your house, leave the place you live, leave your, leave your immediate family, leave your job, leave everything and follow me. Man, I could come up with a thousand excuses, couldn't I? I could have my allegiance buried in so many other things. And yet here by faith, Abraham was willing to accept God's invitation to follow him, to abide in him. Uh, it goes on in... Um, well, in verse 9, to, to finish the story, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. If you run your finger down to verse 13, these all died in faith, talking about uh, those that were before Abraham, along with Abraham, Sarah and Abel um, and Enoch. Uh, the writer shares some of these, hall, these great figures of faith. And he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, what did they do? They embraced, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. 
They obeyed with, all, with, with really no hope before their eyes, no rational hope before their eyes. They obeyed. They accepted the invitation that God gave to them. And as much as it just went against their, their intellect and their, their rational thinking, they obeyed. They were willing to, to push that button. And the, the million dollars came as a result of their willingness to obey and to follow. And then finally, here's another one. If this, this is the cherry on top of the cake, if you ask me for Abraham. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Those of you who are parents, would you give your, your kid up for just some vague, some vague notion that this is what's asked of you? It, it, it's, it's, you know, obviously, it prefigures. It, it's a, it's a, a type of Christ looking forward. But this is what an unbelievable ask here. And yet the Bible says that, that Abraham believed that God was able to raise him up from the dead. He had that much confidence that he was willing to do what God asked him. And obviously God's plan was to test, not to kill. And you can see here though, this idea of, you know what? I am forsaking everything. My allegiance now is to Jesus. And yes, I've got all these other situations in my life that require attention, that uh, could demand my allegiance don't care. You know what? I have seen, I have seen the fact that, that of what God has done. And so I'm accepting his invitation. I believe, and now I'm going to be obedient regardless of the cost. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. What a wonderful promise. Unfortunately, Part one here, this group, is, is their allegiance is more to their heritage and their, their, if you will, to me, their arrogance than it is to the, to the God that's standing right in front of them. Okay, so let's look at the next thing. If, if the heritage isn't a, 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 a slam dunk, then let's move on to theology. They're going to argue theology with God. Verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Uh, some scholars say when they say we weren't born of fornication, they're throwing that back in Jesus' face because Jesus' parentage uh, and his legitimacy was somewhat uh, controversial, shall we say. And so some scholars say they were just sticking it to Jesus here. So they said, hey, you know what? We're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And so Abraham, our father, didn't necessarily work. So now we're going to move to God, our father. They're going to argue theology with Jesus. Okay good luck. <laughs> Jesus said to them, if, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Fellas, I've been teaching with such authority. You've, you've heard of or seen these supernatural miracles. Can you not recognize that God is standing right in front of you? He is right in front of you, inviting you into relationship with him. Verse 43, why do you understand? Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. It's not that they can't hear, it's that they won't hear. Their allegiances are so strong, they are going to deny the truth standing right in front of them. You and then so, so what Jesus does here is he he shines the light ever more brightly. And, and these, this is a hard saying here. This is this is a Speaking the truth and love confrontation for sure. Verse 44, Jesus responds to them, okay, father, you say that you have one father, God. Well, let me tell you, you are of your father, the devil. Wow. And the desires of your father, you want to do. You're, you're sold into slavery of sin. He was a murderer from the beginning. And oh, by the way, you guys want to kill me. 
and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you will not believe me. Your allegiances are more to what you think is right, uh, to you, what you think is safe, to what you think is comfortable, to what you think is God. And it's not, you're not, your allegiances are not to, to truth. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. And so Jesus here again is shining the light so much more intensely because he is trying to get their attention to show them the root of sin, the, the, the damage that sin does to our lives, the bondage that sin is. And Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. And so there's a clash of allegiances here, definitely. So on the one hand, Abraham's our father. On the other hand, God is our father. And Jesus is dissecting each of these to try and help them to see that if you continue in my word, in me, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set you free from this arrogance, set you free from this presumption, set you free from the bondage and slavery of sin. Well, how do they respond? Verse 48, the Jews answered and said to him, didn't they, did we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And so now they've moved to cancel culture. This is first century cancel culture. Uh, they called him a Samaritan. Not true. It's just not true. It would be easy to unpack that. And they, call, they say that he has a, a demon. And so in this instance, the contempt for Jesus is there. Despite what he's done, how he's taught, who he is, there's this level of contempt for God the Father expressed through Jesus Christ. And contempt, I'm reading a book right now by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, and uh, I was just reading through it, and one thing caught my eye that I hadn't considered before, and he said in talking about criticism and contempt, he says, you know, when, we, when we're criticized or we criticize other people, it's usually about what they do, but when we have contempt for someone, it's about who they are, where we think, and I'll use first person, when, I'm, when I exercise contempt towards another person, I think I'm better than they are, I think they're lower than me. And so I say that because that's the level of contempt that you can see in these individuals here. They, are, they think they're God. And Jesus is just a Samaritan. That's, a, that's an ethnic slur. Or he's a demon. And that's just, that's just total, totally insulting for a Jew. Well, how does Jesus respond? 49, Jesus answered, I don't have a demon and I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I can if I can read into this, the, the body language here and the tone is probably one of just such peace and grace, reconciliation, kindness, but also firmness. I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I don't seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word. So here we come back to the logos, the character and nature of Jesus. If you keep it, if you hold on to it tightly, hold on to Jesus tightly, well, verse 31 said you'd be set free. And here he says, you will never see death. The writer of Hebrews in chapter two says, since the children were flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For since the children are flesh and blood, that's you and I, he likewise partook of the same, that's Jesus. And what did he do? 
He completely vanquished the power of the devil on the cross in order to set us free from the bondage of sin, the penalty of sin, and then here relative to this verse, the fear of death. Wow, there are some amazing promises in these verses that we're reading this morning. So he ups the ante here, and he doesn't up the ante in the sense of getting a bigger gun. He ups the ante in the sense that he offers another wonderful promise to them if they'll accept it condition, uh, if they'll accept the conditional promise and just follow him, get rooted in him, and obey him. But it doesn't work that way. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, well, now we know that you have a demon. <laughs> Abraham is dead in the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. And so they're looking horizontally. Jesus is talking about vertically and supernaturally because we're, we're on our way now to Jesus is gonna, is gonna basically state to them, I am, I am God. Uh, they continue and, and uh, say in 53, are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? I can, I can just, it's, this is just dripping with contempt. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It's my father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. Yet you haven't known him. I'm sitting, I'm staring you in the face. The father is staring you in the face and you refuse to know him. But I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I'll be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. I stay rooted in the character and nature of God. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and, and was glad. As soon as he, they, he said this, then all of a sudden now, now there's a game change. Now it, things change because we're moving now to where Jesus is going to proclaim himself to be God. So he's setting up the table here. Verse 57, the Jews said to him, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door for the sheep. I am the, the, the notion of living water. I am. So here, Jesus is basically just, he's not even offering an illustration. He's just going right to the theological point. I am God. And how do they respond? Do they fall at their knees? Next week, we'll see a blind man healed. And when he finally realized that Jesus is God, he falls at his knees and he worships Jesus. These guys, not so much. Verse 59, they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. So again, just for a, a, a spiritual inventory, are there other allegiances in your life this morning? Are there other things that compete with your relationship with God? Is God and your relationship with Jesus, is it given ample amount of time? Are you, are you truly abiding in him? Are you spending time in the word, spending time in prayer? Are you in community? Are you accountable to others in community? Are you willing to share your faith when the opportunity arises? Are there other allegiance? We have so many little gods, gods with a little G. I'll speak first person. I have so many little gods in my life that want my attention and ultimately, the goal for my attention is to eventually get my allegiance. And you're, I'm constantly doing a mental, spiritual inventory, staying in the Word so that the Word can keep me on track, so that I stay rooted 
in God's word and more importantly in the, the character and the nature and the deliverance that his son offers to me and offers to us. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth. Hallelujah. The truth will set you free. Lord, thank you so much that true freedom and, and truth is found in you. You are the spirit of grace and truth. You provide freedom, uh, the rescue from the bondage of sin. You provide freedom and rescue from the fear of death, the sting of death, as Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians. And thank you that you give us free choice too, Lord. We're not robots or automatons. You offer uh, an opportunity. You hold your very hand out to us and ask us to come in and, and enjoy a journey with you, enjoy a relationship with you. The only thing in the way is our sin. And yet we thank you that you have taken uh, the penalty and the payment for our sin upon yourself. You've died upon the cross to pay for our sin. And now in exchange, you offer us righteousness, that we can be children of the Most High God. Help us, Lord, to continue to cultivate an abiding in you, a trust in you, a willingness to follow you, Nowhere, no matter where you take us, that we would simply follow you. Because where we, as we follow you, no matter what the time, date, circumstance, there's freedom. And we rejoice in that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.